Folks, that, that is it. I'm going to just share for a few minutes. I have no clue. I know there's uh, folks that are um, planning on baptism today. I promise you I did not forget. We are going to move into that in just a little bit, but I felt like for the rest of the body and anyone who may just say, hey, I'm going to jump in with my Sunday clothes on, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to touch in a little bit more on baptism and what I'm finding out about baptism within, within my own heart and what it, the, the seriousness of it. I'm going to ask you to turn with me quickly to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And as soon as you get there, let me hear you say amen, that I may know you are there. Romans chapter 6. Amen. Now, how many know, and I'm just being honest, and I want you to be honest too because it's just based on my experience. How many know that baptism in and of itself has kind of not become the serious ordinance, the serious uh, uh, um, aspect of our walk that it once was. In fact, oftentimes, and just in my own experiences, oftentimes we look at baptism as kind of a secondary, I'll get to it when I get to it. Come on. Now those in past generations, those in our own denomination, they were so serious that basically they said, look, you get saved, I don't care what you're wearing. Let's get baptized. I have come to find out, I'm going to try to sum it up very short, uh, in a short way today. I've come to find out um, there is a very fine line regarding the importance of baptism. I think we have swung, church in America has swung uh, in a direction where we don't consider it quite as important as it is. Yes. And we need to get a little deeper here. Romans 6, verses 4 through 6. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. So when I push, when I, when I bring you down, dunk someone underwater, what is that symbolizing? Death. Okay. We're gonna di- we'll, we'll chew on this a little bit. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. So when I bring you back up out of the water or whoever's doing the baptizing, they bring you up out of the water, what is that symbolizing? Resurrection. Yes. Death. Burial. While you're under there, however long I need to count. And resurrection as you come up out of the water. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. How many remember me talking last week about my wedding ring here? Okay, just like a wedding ring does not make you married. Baptism does not make you saved. But oh, why do we choose to wear a wedding ring in regards to marriage? Because it declares to the world and everyone that's around, I am in a covenant of marriage with one other. 
I am in a covenant with my wife. Or for a man, or for a woman, her husband. Baptism does not save, but you ready for this? It does reflect a heart of faith for salvation. I want you to hear me real quick. Jesus wasn't messing around. He commanded us to be baptized. He did. Everybody say He commanded. Now, when Jesus commanded that we not, you know, the Father commanded we not kill, did we take Him serious? Oh, come on, church. Hello, wake up. When the Father said don't kill, did you take Him seriously? So when He said be baptized, did you take Him seriously? They are both equally serious, one even more so than the other. I feel like everybody is sound asleep today. Help me out, folks. Baptism does not save, but it reflects a heart of faith for salvation. It is a command of Jesus. Furthermore, you ready? While baptism doesn't save us, it does publicly set us apart as those who are part of the community of faith. It is a, repu- a public response of, you ready for this, 2 Corinthians 6? Come out from among them and be separate. That's what 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says. The Father said, come out. Everybody say, come out. Come out from among them and be separate. We don't like that in America where everything is about everybody's individual wants and needs, and we better not offend anybody. More than ever before, (laughs) we have got to come out and be separate. Folks, I cannot say that. And I am the guy that does not like to stir up offense with anybody. But I'm going to tell you what right now. We are living in a culture. I'm getting ahead of myself. Come out and be separate. Let's turn to 1 Peter 3. This is where we're going to land here real quick. 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, and we're going to start... Um, we are going to start at verse, uh, oh my, let's start at verse 18. Susie, you there, let me hear you say amen, just so I know you're there. First Peter three eighteen. for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes what? Baptism that now saves you. I'm going to get to that in a second, just so you're with me. Also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this for a second. Back in the time, as in the days of Noah, do you realize, we sit around saying, you know, uh, when they talk about as in the days of Noah, if it, our, our culture has had to have gotten worse than that. But you know what? I don't know if it has yet or not. 
We don't have a full concept of how bad it was. It says that every thought, every, every deed was evil. Okay? And all that there could have happened in that, in that point, it got so bad that all that was left to do was bring judgment. So that's what the father had to do. But this is the beautiful part. He says, I got to bring judgment, but I'm also going to bring I'm going to bring an opportunity to be saved through this judgment. Noah. Noah. I want you to build an ark. Now, even Noah at that point may have had an understanding of what was going on, but he did not realize fully what's going on. Noah, I want you to build this ark. So Noah and his family built this ark. I think it says 120 years he was building the ark. Built the ark. Two by two the animals come, some seven. Fill the ark up. Rains come. Rains came. How many know Noah preached during that time? I believe Noah preached. Get right with God and be saved. (laughs) The ark, 40 days, 40 nights, it rained. You know the story. That ark saved Noah and his family from what? From death, from drowning. But one of the things I want us to understand is Noah and his family weren't the only people who didn't drown. (laughs) It wasn't just that they were the only people that didn't drown. They were the only ones who came out of that corrupt world. Follow me again. Those eight were the only ones that came out of that corrupt world. They're the only ones that made it. Because that corrupt world was destined for what? Destruction. That, that, that world was destined for destruction. Eight people survived the destruction and came out of that into new life. In a sense, a new world. So here's the thing. Being baptized symbolizes our escape out of this world into the kingdom of God. One of the things you, you, really have to, you really have to grasp is this. In a little bit, somebody's going to come up here, some people are going to come up here, some baptized for the first time, re-baptism, they're going to come up here. They're going to go underwater. And what they're making a direct declaration is, I am no longer a part of this world. I am no longer a part of the system of the way the things are. And the thing about it is, I am a prisoner in it. I'm a prisoner to it. And the only way, the only thing that this leads to is hell. That is it. Hell is the only place I can go if I stay in this world. Hell is the only place I can end up if I stay in this world. I need a way out. And His name is Jesus. And He did it at the cross. He did it at the cross three days. He, was, he died. He was buried. He rose again. And it said, by, by, by faith, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, He brings us what? Salvation. And here's the thing, when we're being saved, we're not just saying, Jesus, hear me, church. We're not just saying, Jesus, make my life better here. Oh, I better say it again because I think every row in this church needs to hear that. When we say yes to Jesus, it's not make my life better here. It's Jesus, move me out of this old way of doing things into your way. 
And I choose to go wherever you lead. And so when I go down, the whole world's going down with me. And when I come up, the world stays down. And I'm going into the kingdom of God. Now, you say, well, why not just, why does the Lord make us stay then? Why are we still alive? I've heard some pastors say, you know what? We can make it easy on you. We'll baptize you, bring you out of the pool, and then shoot you. Get you to heaven like that. That'll work, huh? No, that's not what the Lord has in store. Then he said in John 17, he said, just as you sent me into the world, I am now sending them into the world. So you're making the grand exit saying, I'm out of here. My baptism is my covenant. I am no longer a part of the way things operate around here. But I'm still here in the world, but not of the world. Because I now represent something completely different. Folks, baptism. I'll tell you, you want to know why the brethren came about in 1708? Because they completely, this is the number one reason, they completely disagree with baby baptism. Completely disagree with baby baptism. They said that is not in Scripture. When you are baptized, you're saying in your heart, I choose Jesus, and I'm leaving this world of, of corruption behind, and I'm moving into the kingdom of God. That's me. And I want the whole world to know it. Now, I want you to hear me. Hear me, please. What kind of power does that water have? Thank you. Who saves you? Thank you. Who grows you up? Holy Spirit, Jesus, Spirit of Jesus, yes. But when you walk in an act of faith, declaring here or wherever you get baptized, you are doing it by faith. It is an action It is faith in action, and you better believe something supernatural starts to happen in you. Not because of the water, not because of the dunk, but because of the faith within you that says, no more, I will no longer be a part of this corrupt society. I will no longer be a part of this corrupt world. Now you say, oh, you're you're just sounding like a uh, hellfire and brimstone guy. No! Guys! We're still here. We still got to love people, right? But I don't need to be connected and run around. How many people get run around by what the enemy tells you all the time? Come on, let's be honest. How many listen to the lies of the enemy? How many allow the world to influence them by how they look or how they act or what they think? Walk into middle school any day. You'll see it in action. I'm not saying we are here to cast judgment or chastise all those outside of Christ. My goal is this. I want to operate within the kingdom. And I want to be such a vessel that everybody who is stuck in that old corrupt system, I can share Jesus with and I can see them come out of it too. Because I don't want to see them caught up in this stuff anymore. I missed it this weekend. The wedding, I guess, of the year... I missed it. I know it's lots of stuff. Lots of celebration. I'm going to tell you what. Lots of stuff. And it looks awesome, and it looks great. But outside of Christ, that too will pass away. 
Wherever you go to dinner today, I don't care how good the meatloaf is, that too will pass away. In more ways than one, right? Folks, this world has nothing. I better say this nice and clear. This world has nothing for me or for you if you're in Jesus. Nothing. Now, here's our problem. Here's our problem. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I still got baptized. Oh, my goodness. The coming out is difficult because when you come out of a corrupt system, it always leads to persecution. Does anybody know what persecution is? Do we need to go into that? Persecution, basically being attacked, being punished for your what? Belief, your faith. In fact, Matthew 10, Jesus said, students are like their teacher. And slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. So just because they call Jesus something, guess what they're going to call you? It's worse. But here's the problem. I love America. I know I do. I'm glad to be here, but here's the problem. Americans are the most insulated people on earth. They're insulated from the bigger world outside our own little country. We make up about 5% of the entire world. And outside our little era of time, 300 years, that's only about 5% of the 6,000 years we have of history. For most of the world, you ready for this? Nudge your wife, nudge your husband, nudge the person next to you. For most of the world and for most of history, being a Christian was deadly. Are you following me? It was deadly. And here's the worst part. Do you know what the number one persecuted faith in the world, regardless of what they want to tell you, by sheer volume and number, do you want to know what the number one most persecuted people in the world is today, May 20th, 2018? Christians. Guess where they are persecuted the least? Praise God, United States. But what does that do to us? It creates a false sense of what? And so we just start to take our Christianity for granted. Hey, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm not getting persecuted. I'm not getting pushed. There was a story about a lady in a village who was sharing about missionaries came in. And she said, you know, my villagers who were staunch, you know, kind of the agnostics, but they believed some of the, the, the naturist kind of things. And uh, they, were, they were fine with people who gave their hearts to the Lord. But do you know when these people started to get angry? Is when whoever said that they were going to give their hearts to Jesus got baptized. When they got baptized, suddenly it meant to them, it meant to them, oh, they're separating from our way of doing things. And it created problems. How many have ever heard of the nation of Cambodia? Cambodia, okay. <laughs> um, oh, it was roughly about 1920 when the first missionary showed up in Cambodia. And for 45 years, that takes us to 1965, that missionary and his efforts and all those that were combined 
brought about 600 believers in the nation of Cambodia. Now, praise God for 600 believers, but I'm going to say one other thing. That's not a lot of people for a whole nation, is it? Then what happened? Civil war and persecution began. Persecution. And in 10 years to 1975, the number 600 grew to 90,000. I'm going to tell you what. Do you know what will bring revival to the United States quicker than anything? When we start getting attacked. Now, I'm not wishing that on, but that's what happens. Persecution begins. The world begins to come against. That's what Scripture says. We've been insulated in the United States. So by 1975, 90,000 Christians. Now, of course, Pol Pot, who was the dictator that came in there, then decided to wipe everybody out. But a good 90,000 Christians entered the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. And not just 600. Praise God. Isn't it interesting? What do we call countries that are hostile to Christians? Anybody know what the political term is? Closed countries. And usually missionaries then handle themselves accordingly. They treat those countries as though the door is what? Can you imagine what would have happened if Peter and Paul operated that way? Can you imagine what would have happened? You and I wouldn't be here. Can you imagine what would have happened? You see, but that means people got to risk their lives for the name of who? Because those who attempt to save their life are going to what? Lose it. But those who lose their lives for the sake of Jesus will? See, we have it all backwards. Stephen Neal says in the history of Christian missions, in the first three centuries, the first three centuries of the church, the church was spreading like wildfire. Every Christian, every Christian knew that sooner or later he might have to testify to his faith at the cost of his life. You say, boy, this is kind of a downer today. No, this is the reality. I, my life means little compared to who? Do you mean that? My life means little compared to the name of who? Do you mean that? Do you want that knowing that being in Christ changes everything inside? Your eternity is set. Your salvation is set. God can use you until He calls you home. This world has nothing for us because this world will bring us to hell. And when I'm referring to the world, I'm not talking necessarily about the people in it. I'm talking about the way the enemy weaves the lies and the deceit. But here's the problem. In America, we have churches going, you know, oh, those liberal politicians, all those people involved in immoral lifestyles and this, that, and the other, they're stealing our Christianity away and our rights. Wrong. If anything, we should be standing firm and saying, Jesus, show us how to speak truth in love in the midst of all this. I'm not going to sit around so angry. By the way, three weeks sober from Fox News, I had to be. That's why you guys are still hearing from me. I'm telling you, it was making me what? Angry. I told you guys that. I confessed it to you. I cannot watch the news right now in my life because I got caught up in that old way of thinking. 
I'm having my Christianity and all the principles that I knew growing up. I, back in my day, the moment a Christian says back in my day, they've lost what Jesus has done and is going to do. Life has changed, church. The church is not going to be, it's not going to get any easier for the church. But I'm going to tell you what. I got a ring on because I love my wife. And I want no one else. I'm in covenant with her. And I choose to be baptized because I'm in love with Jesus. And I want no one else. Because no one else or nothing else will satisfy. No matter how much I think it will, it won't. It won't. It won't. It won't. So here's the thing. For those of you, I'm going to call you up in here in just a second, but when you step down to the baptismal pool, the whole world's going to go down with you. What world? The corrupt world. That way of doing things, that corrupt society is going to go down there with you to death, and when you come up, you come up in Jesus, the ark, riding the waves, and the world's going to stay behind, dead, no longer connected. Watchman Nee, a famous theologian, he said this, In the Lord I leave my world behind, and the cross separates me from it forever. I will no longer be dictated by what the world says or does. I choose Jesus above all else. Amen? Amen? Hey, I'm going to tell you what, when we get caught up with Jesus' hands and what He can do and this, that, and the other. When we get caught up with that first, we miss out the fact that First Peter chapter 3, where we just read about the, the Noah and his family and baptism, is talking about suffering. Suffering for the gospel. It's going to happen. I'm not looking forward to it in the sense of, I don't feel like any more than Jesus did in the garden. How many know Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross? But He did. Because He loved us. How many don't feel like putting up with the suffering and persecution that may be coming our way probably sooner than later? How many feel like that? I don't. But how many are ready to stand firm because we know, we know the joy that awaits. And even now, the joy of standing firm in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Who's hearing me today? I know this is more teaching today, but I want you guys to hear what is the purpose of that. Just hear me for a second. What is the purpose of it? I want people to know Jesus, but I don't want them just to know about Jesus. I want them to know Jesus, and I want them to know that He is more than they ever will need, and that without Him, we can do nothing. I don't want anyone in hell. I don't want anyone in hell. I don't care. I don't want anyone in hell. Can you say that today? I don't want anyone in hell. I want them all in the kingdom of God. Amen? I want them all in the kingdom. And my desire is that I no longer be dictated by what the world says and be scared, but that I start just letting Jesus ooze out of me everywhere because I'm no longer a part of this world. I'm part of His. And that doesn't put me up here. If anything, that puts me here because it has nothing to do with Dave Chapel now. Who does it have to do with? Jesus. 
Let's bow our heads for a minute. Is there anyone here today that says, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I need to know Him? I don't want to just know about Him anymore. I don't want to just know about what He did for me. I, don't, I want to know Him as my Savior, as my Lord, and I want to put my faith and trust in Him. Is there anyone here today that says, I want Jesus. I take hold of Him right now. I take hold of Him. Is there anybody like that today? Just slip your hand up real quick. There's anybody here that says, I just, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Amen. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Anybody else? I need Him. Lord, we need You, and together we declare God. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for going to it and dying. Thank You for raising us up. Thank You for setting us free. God, You're good. And we praise Your holy name.